can, you know, through Aboriginal ways, just reach out to some of our mob. Working with the wider non-Aboriginal community and working with our own community together allows us to start in. In the past, you know, people know who they are and that type of thing, but there hasn't been something there to bring everything together, to bring people together, and Native Title has done that. Nina Marnie. Welcome to Aboriginal Way Radio, produced by South Australian Native Title Services. I'm your host today, Joy Lothian, and I'd like to begin by paying my respects to the traditional owners of the land we are recording on, the Kaurna people, their elders past, present and emerging. It's Friday the 27th of May 2022, and Aboriginal Way is here at Government House in Adelaide with our new Governor, Frances Adamson AC, for a flag dedication ceremony to mark the permanent installation of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags. Flagpoles previously housing the Australian and state flags were removed from the top of the house and placed in a newly constructed flag deck alongside the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags, which have not been flown permanently at Government House before. So Her Excellency, welcome to Aboriginal Way. Why is fostering reconciliation through the installation of these permanent flags a priority for you as Governor? Well, I think, first of all, let me say how wonderful it is to be talking to you and and talking to your listeners uh, on Aboriginal Way. I think I've always thought, actually, in anything that I've done in in my professional life, that symbolism is important and we should never uh, neglect or overlook the importance of symbols and symbols. And uh, today I wanted to signal that the symbols are important. And, of course, you mentioned we previously had three flagpoles on the roof at Government House. It was quite a, a small area and quite difficult to access, actually. Mm-hmm. So the Aboriginal flag was flown on, on uh, occasions, including obviously during NADOC week. But what I was keen to do is to make the flagpoles for now visible to members of the public walking past Government House, able to see uh, the Australian flag, the flag of South Australia, the Australian Aboriginal flag and the Torres Strait Islander flag flying side by side in a prominent position permanently. And of course, uh, the rules around flying flags are such that you can only fly them 24 hours a day if they are lit at night. So that's a little bit of a complication with the site that we've overcome. And now they really do look beautiful at night, actually. So I encourage your listeners, if anyone's walking past at night, have a look. It's, it really is a wonderful site and it speaks to me really of the, you know, the, the rich heritage, the very long history when we look at it from you know, a First Nations point of view of those people who now call South Australia home. And I think that's an important signal at this stage of a reconciliation journey, which I'm very conscious. Many people have been travelling for their whole lives, you know, for decades, for years. A great deal has been learnt and I am very willing as governor to sit down with people who've got reconciliation stories to share. And for listeners, if you walk past the gates and look in, you should be able to see those flags at any time of day or night. Any time of day or night, you certainly should. Adelaide was the first city in Australia to actually fly the Aboriginal flag back in 1971 as well. So it's nice that it's coming full circle now. Years ago, mm. of course, then it was a flag of protest. Uh, and as with many of these things, they start with protests, they then become accepted, people then fly them proudly and understand the deeper significance. You've had a lot of people here in 
this morning involved in this ceremony. Can you tell me a little bit about the ceremony and who was involved? Yes, well, what we wanted to do, of course, the ceremony, formal flag raising. So we had uh, a single person with some symbolism attached to the choice of those people raising each of the flags. So we had uh, a 101 and a half year old World War II veteran, Keith Chook, this is his name, Fowler, and he proudly raised, uh, with a great deal of vigour, I have to say, the Australian flag. We then had uh, the uh, Attorney General and Minister for Aboriginal Affairs, Karen Ma, who I know is featured on the front cover very recently. Uh, he raised the uh, Aboriginal flag. We had, uh, raising the state flag of South Australia, a young student, uh, a young girl whose uh, parents are had come from Vietnam uh, and then we had that was wonderful that Tanya Hosh was able to join us and raise the Torres Strait Islander flag and they, there was a, a cadet party there who helped them with the flags but we, we started off actually with Carl Telfer uh, with a wonderful smoking ceremony and he spoke very beautifully actually about the significance of a flag raising ceremony at Government House. He was he was very generous in his own reconciliation remarks. Uh, and it meant a lot to me that he was able to do this this morning because he had similarly been present and made very meaningful my own swearing in ceremony as governor back in October. We've had a number of conversations since and I've you know come to understand a little more deeply than I did initially. The reconciliation work that's underway, uh, including you know, not not just um, in all parts of the state, but he's he's got a, a, some wonderful land down in the Clarin Vale, Lot um, Fifty Canyon Pillar, and he's doing great things there as well. So it started with that. We then had uh, two young dancers from the Australian Dance Theatre, uh, Zachary and Zoe, and they were performing. Uh, a dance that the new director of the uh, Australian Dance Theatre is a very proud Aboriginal man and, and I think that's going to shape some of their dance. So to see these two young dancers weaving around the flagpole was really, I think they brought a real sense of, of spirit uh, to place. It was really beautiful and meaningful. And then I had an opportunity to say a few words and, and to acknowledge that amongst our guests today were Obviously, our senior leaders, the Premier, the Leader of the Opposition, the, the former Premier, Stephen Marshall, uh, ministers, uh, local government uh, representatives, including the Lord Mayor of Adelaide, uh, mayors from uh, regions around, uh, Aboriginal people. We'd invited many of them across mm -hmm. the state, and of course, many of them were not able to travel, but we, I wanted them to know that they were welcome here that they were specifically being invited. I wanted them to just to be aware of what we were doing uh, with the flags. We also had quite a number of people who'd been involved in Reconciliation SA over the years, uh, including those working in the state government on uh, Aboriginal policy issues. Just some wonderful people who'd been so strongly committed to this for so, for so long. And I think a number of people commented that there was a real air of... Um, solidarity and celebration and a sense of energy. Of course, the, the national anthem was sung and, and we made it a, a really meaningful ceremony, I think. 
We want, as, as visitors to Government House, walk through the gates. We want them to see the flags and see that as a sign of welcome. And as Governor, I've been very keen and, and I absolutely to say that Government House is a house for all South Australians and we want to be very welcoming to all of those who come here. It was nice, actually, that it was off the back of the reconciliation breakfast this morning as well. Now, I, I believe that reconciliation was also a priority to you in your previous role as the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade Secretary. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how that informed your time there? I'm very happy to. And there are a number of aspects to this. I suppose when you lead any organisation, you're very conscious of, of the needs of your staff. And there was quite an active Indigenous Employees Network was what it was called in the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. And we had a number of, of particularly young diplomats uh, who were proud to call themselves Aboriginal men and women. We had some older ones who'd already served as ambassadors overseas. But they were very conscious uh, not only of their own role, but of what we were trying to do more broadly as a diplomatic service in representing the whole of Australia overseas. And that included faithfully representing being sufficiently knowledgeable about the world's oldest continuing culture. Uh, it meant engaging with issues internationally around the rights of Indigenous peoples, that, that declaration. Uh, it also meant being able to uh, engage and sit down with, as I think uh, Aboriginal diplomats are really best placed to do, with people in our own region, uh, people from the Southwest Pacific, the Pacific Island countries, and others across Southeast Asia who trace their roots along very sort of similar mm. lines. And I think they speak with real credibility and authority and they are clearly listened to when they represent Australia. So I was obviously keen to give some encouragement to this and we, we celebrated, uh, as you would expect us to do, Reconciliation Day, NAIDOC Week, those sorts of events. But there was still a sense coming through for my colleagues then that there was more that we could do, that there was a framework that we could develop. And that really began a process that resulted in the launching of a uh, an Indigenous diplomacy agenda for Australia, which I was really pleased to be able to do in Darwin uh, almost exactly a year ago. That thoughtful work, uh, which had a number of components to it, you know, the international elements that I've spoken about, the rights of Indigenous peoples, uh, the uh, assistance that we were able to give Indigenous people with uh, exporting and the trade and economic dimensions of what they were wanting to do, as well as then the cultural dimensions and things that are important to our own staff. So just to launch that, and that work was done painstakingly, consulted to be over you know, pre-COVID, during the early COVID, the first year of COVID, but it resulted in the launch of that agenda. And I've been very pleased indeed to see that the incoming Foreign Minister, Penny Wong, the South Australian Senator, of course, uh, really wants to elevate in, within Australian foreign policy uh, the First Nations, Indigenous, uh, elements of who we are and uh, I'm pretty confident that she will find in my old department, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, people who are very willing indeed to take that up. And it's only been in the last 
I think week or two that Anthony Albanese has actually installed Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags himself at his press conferences and at other events he's been at. So it's wonderful that you're able to follow suit around the same time. Thank you. I First. I heard this morning, you will have heard to it, conciliation mm. breakfast. Leadership can be exercised from any position, not necessarily the most senior people. It is a deeper cultural understanding and showing the way for others because this path along uh, towards reconciliation is one that we absolutely need to walk together uh, really hand in hand. And on that note, I believe um, Ghana man Carl Telfer, who you mentioned earlier, has been involved in some cultural mapping that you're looking at doing for Government House. What does that involve? Well, we're, uh, we're open to consultation with, with Ghana people, with Aboriginal people across the state. I think we're really just beginning the process of thinking through how we might engage in cultural mapping for this site. I mean, people know it as Government House, they know our grounds as the Government House grounds, but its its formal address, if you like, um, in the early days of the colony was Lot 1 North Terrace. The story that we tell about Government House and its grounds is really the story of, of governors, it's the story of the house, it's the story of what it's meant to South Australians, but it's essentially been a a post-colonial, colonial and post-colonial story. And what I'm very keen to do, and that Carl has certainly done some work on this, including with Gavin Malone uh, down at L50, Canyon Pillar in McLean Vale, is to uh, develop uh, and, and deepen concepts of cultural mapping, which essentially will be enabling us to tell a much more complex story about this site, about its... its, uh, its deeper history, uh, if we can go back uh, into beyond the hundreds of years into the thousands and potentially tens of thousands, what happened on this site during those those years, what's happened on this site since colonisation. And not all of that, I imagine, will make, you know, for, for comfortable listening. Mm. There will be some things, I'm sure, that we'll learn that will make us uncomfortable. But we want to be able to uh, tell uh, the story in a more complex way, in a deeper, more meaningful way, and share our learnings, if you like, with others as part of this journey towards reconciliation. So we're very open to, to consultation. We're looking for ideas. It will have quite a number of different parts to it. It's not something that I want to hurry, but it's something that I would very much like to complete during my term as government. And do you think these findings will be available to the public when, when we get so to that we point? We mm. want to share them and, and you know, part of, perhaps even indeed make, make them part of the, you know, the civics curriculum in schools. Wonderful. You know, I'm very open indeed to how they might be used and I think already we've had a number of very good ideas from people with, whose views we've just sought initially. We're really uh, in what I would call the consultation phase. Right, and uh, do you have plans for other ways to foster reconciliation during your time here as governor? Yes, I've, I've been doing, and really uh, since my swearing in ceremony on the 7th of October last year, is just ensuring that whenever I speak, I give an acknowledgement of country when I'm on Ghana land, I give it in Ghana language. Uh, I'm very keen uh, to expand my ability to do that uh, when I'm on Aboriginal land in other parts of the state and 
fortunately, there's some wonderful people who are willing to share their knowledge with me. So, you know, that will, that will happen over a period of time. But I, I do think language is so important uh, to culture, to our respect for culture, to our understanding of it, and to our reconciliation journey. And I, I really hugely admire those Aboriginal people who've worked to rediscover, relearn uh, languages that uh, have either been, well, virtually been lost or at risk of being lost. And you know, I, I do think that the, the ABC and others have been encouraging of that because I think the more people who hear about them, you know, we're appalled at, at the loss of species, of the loss of languages, and yet it's been happening around us without us really even thinking about it. And I think to the extent that it's possible to make those live again, it's something that should be strongly encouraged. And just on that, are there any Aboriginal South Australians that you admire or you have been listening to the work that they've been doing or taken notice of them? Many, many. I mean, really sort of too many to mention. I've been very, very conscious uh, in Adelaide and across the state the, uh, the welcome to country, acknowledgements of country, but particularly welcome to country, and the various ceremonies associated with that. They're done principally in a hugely positive spirit and with a great generosity. And one of the things I've done uh, really is just uh, issue uh, an open invitation to people I meet on those occasions to come to Government House to sit down with me over a cup of tea and just to tell me their stories. So, you know, whether it's uh, Uncle Jeffrey Newchurch down at Holdfast Bay, and I must say it was a, a huge privilege. Um, it was a wonderful occasion, the last Proclamation Day, where he, you know, he stayed on country overnight. He was present there uh, with the people from Holdfast Bay, with the mayor and others. Uh, that truth-telling exhibition, charity mm. exhibition down at the Holdfast Bay, Museum is a really a wonderful thing in terms of educating people, encouraging people, sometimes challenging views and ideas, and and I think it points us uh, along the pathway towards reconciliation. Auntie Merle, of course, you know, Uncle Mickey O'Brien, Uncle Lewis O'Brien, Auntie Rosemary. I mean, there are so uh, wonderful people who've just been amazingly generous with their time and their perspectives. And that's, as I travel across the state, I'm very keen indeed to meet uh, local Aboriginal people to understand the issues that they're facing and to uh, really just to listen is the, the most important thing I think that I can do. And was there anything else you wanted to say to Aboriginal communities across South Australia? Well, it's just that you're all very much in my mind uh, uh, all the time. I mean, all South Australians are. But particularly during this Reconciliation Week, I mean, we think about you deeply, uh, but it shouldn't just be you know, a particular week a year. Of course, we, we, it, it challenges us. All of these special days do. But what I'm really looking to try to assist is a process of just ensuring, yes, we, we mark these occasions. They challenge us. We, there are things to celebrate, of course, but... We need to carry that momentum over into our everyday and we need to keep doing it because uh, we don't want this journey to be any longer than it needs to be. Thank you so much for speaking with Aboriginal Way.
Well, that's all from Aboriginal Way today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That way you'll be notified when a new episode is released. We'll catch you next time.